This is an ABC podcast. Curly's done it. What a moment for the 400 metre man. Bronze in Doha, silver in Tokyo, and it is all gold here for Fred Curley. Fred Curley is the reigning 100 metre world champion. That makes him the so called fastest man on earth. The cool kids would say that he's built different. Why is that? Well, for example, he won that world title injured. He's only been running the 100 for three years. Before that, he was a 400 runner. And if that pathway sounds familiar, it's because it's the same one that was taken by Usain Bolt. His personal best is just 0.18 off Bolt's magical world record. It's in play. But while his pursuit of Bolt's world record is gripping, maybe more compelling is Curley's origin story. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Fred Curley is the current world champion in the men's 100 metres. He has an Olympic silver medal. He's an excellent gardener, which I didn't know about him until recently, and he's really, really quick. Fred, welcome to Australia. I want to start by asking you about your upbringing, because I think you said once, to know a champion, you need to know where that champion has come from. So what was it like for you growing up in the United States? Everybody don't know. I got adopted by my auntie and uncle. Obviously, we're good, humble beginning. We struggle, but at the end of the day, we only know we had to leave this to have a better life. So I come up from humble beginnings, and I know to order to get out of that mindset where from struggle, you got to put yourself in a position to win, and I put myself in a position to win for a lifetime. Kelly extricates himself with a 9.92 clocking away from the rest of the field. How did it influence you growing up? and the way that you approach life. It influenced me a lot because I see the mistake that older people or people did in my community, and so I can't be like that because they all come back to nothing. Once I left for college, I ain't never looked back. I only looked ahead. What were some of the things growing up that were, you know, potential pitfalls for you that were dangerous that could have seen you go astray? There's a lot of stories I can tell, but I felt like that for later on once I get done with my career for people actually understand why I do what I do. It's more peaceful for me to to run track because I'm running for something bigger than myself. That's really interesting to hear. When you say you're running for something bigger than yourself, what do you feel like you're running for? For the generations or the kids that been in the same position I was in life, they got somebody to look up to and hopefully I'm that person to look up to because a similar situation that I see week in and week out that kids got stories to tell, but they don't got no outlet to life. Hearing you talk about the way you came up, it sounds to me like a, a tough upbringing in a lot of ways. And I wonder whether that informs the way that you run, because I know that you've run hurt in the past. There's stories about you running on a broken ankle and running under 10 seconds of winning the world championships with an injured quad. It's a big risk for someone like yourself who is an elite athlete. What motivates you to take that risk? It's a big risk for everything we do in life. The risk is not giving up. If I fail, it's going to be fell up on my own brain. It's not going to be fell up on nobody else. I know what I got, but at the end of the day, you got to let that get out your mind and you got to go. You don't get so many championships in our lifetime. So I risk and I achieve something that nobody else done. So it's all on me to 
to to do what I do and actually just go out there. It's a big risk for every time I touch online because kids are looking up to everybody that step online, no matter which country you're from. A long hold for our last act of drama. Watch for Curly. Third from the inside in lane four. He's the seventh fastest in history. A kid looking up to you, or even nine kids as adults looking up to you too. As an emerging runner, you're a 400-meter runner. You made the step down to a 100 meters. One strong legs on, but Fred Curley holds him. That's a terrific performance from Curley to hold off Justin Gatlin. And that is a marker laid down by the 400 meter specialist over 100 meters. He keeps running and he keeps making progress. Fred Curley takes it. What's the key difference from a mentality standpoint between running the four and running the one? I feel like there's no key difference because at the end of the day, you're competing. You're competing against the seven other gentlemen to the right and left of you. So it's just basically like it's no no different. It's just like you're competing and you got the same faces like you would do in the 100 for the 400, but one is just quicker than the other. Another person who famously made that jump is Usain Bolt. How much inspiration did you take from his journey? Is that something you're trying to model yourself on? I ain't know Usain Bolt for the 400. I only know Usain Bolt for the 100. And he just inspires the next generation. Like We trying to duplicate or be even better than what he stepped foot on. He, he the golden standard for track and field. And we all trying to achieve the stuff that he achieved in his lifetime. It's really cool to hear you talk about trying to achieve what Usain achieved. And I've seen in previous interviews, you've talked about trying to even break his world record. Is that something that, that's in your crosshairs that you're focusing on to try and run as fast or even quicker than Usain Bolt in the 100 metres? I think that's in all our process, but for us to step on that same journey, it's all about the gold medals and stuff right now. And once I, the, the more gold medals and stuff I get, the more I can put my name into the history book. Records come and go, but gold lasts forever. So when you talk about what you want to achieve at the end of your career, you know, some people compete for money, some people compete for history, some people compete for trophies, some people for the social cachet. Is it fair to say that it's, it's gold medals that motivates you? Gold medal come with everything. Gold medal come with the money. Gold medal come with putting your history book. And gold medal, I want to be one of them greats that your name lasts for generations, not just for the right now. I want my name lasts for generations to come. What about this guy? Fred Curley, world bronze medalist over 400 metres in Doha. Been tearing it up over 100 metres, running 991. You talk about winning gold medals, that being the motivation. Is there a particular event? Like we know you've done the four. We know you're zeroing in on the 100. At the conclusion of your career, what are the ones that you really, really want there? The most I want, I can care too less about what I did. I want a gold medal at the Olympic Games. That's the most important one because the goal at the Olympic Games lasts forever. What's it like to be really, really quick, Fred? Like, What's it, what's it feel like to be absolutely rapid? It feels good to be fast, but I'm only fast on the track. So once I leave the track, I tend to walk slow and do everything else slow. So it's just, it's a totally different. People think, oh, you fast, you can do this, you can do this. It's only fast on the track when I need it the most. It's not fast once I go home. I'm like one of them slow walkers. Uh, he's not kidding. After this interview, I gave him a huge head start as I packed up and he walked across the track. I still beat him to the car park, which theoretically means I beat a world champ. And it's just like, it's fast on the track, but everything else is probably slow. And it's interesting that I know that, you know, you're very big into your gardening. Is that part of that slowness off the track? What do you like about gardening? The garden is actually peaceful. It's just like, it takes the stress and 
actually you can reflect on a lot of stuff in a garden. Like you can sit, you can pee, so you can listen to slow slow music, fast music. It's just like their garden and the sun just bring the relaxedness of success. Is there something in the process of it that kind of informs what you do as a runner? You know, being patient, putting the time and the work in. Is there something that mirrors your athletics? The same thing like you run. Everything don't come overnight. And, you know, garden, you can't plant and see to be there the next day. That's the same thing with track and field. Nothing going to come overnight. So it's just basically patient time and being, you got to be dedicated to your garden to actually know the stuff. If you're patient, it's just basically like I'm patient with the hundred. So it's just basically garden more patient than what you think it is. Fred Curley, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Curley's competing in the Sydney Track Classic this weekend. He's going old school, competing the 400 metres just for a lull because he's that versatile. Headlines. Australia's won the toss in the final test with India in Ahmedabad and chose to bat. We're not 100% sure which of the available three pitches India chose to use. Kidding, kidding. Meanwhile, Anthony Albanese is in attendance along with Indian PM Narendra Modi. Hopefully the Aussie leader has better cricket chops than another big-name international leader who once visited the city. This is the country where your people cheer on some of the world's greatest cricket players from Suchin... Tendol Kerr to Virat Kohli. It never gets old. Staying with cricket and Western Australia has a stranglehold on the domestic game right now. The Sandgropers smashed SA in the final of the one-day domestic competition. Josh Inglis made 138 from 110 rocks as WA scored 387 from their 50 overs. In reply, SA was all out for 206. Ashton Agar grabbed five wickets for the big state. So right now, WA holds all three domestic titles. Oofed. And did you hear the yarn about St Kilda's pre-season game with Essendon? The action was all off-field. The Saints mistakenly uploaded an audio file from their coaching box to a central AFL database. Why do they record their coaching box? Well, it's so they can review how assistant coaches talk with their senior coach, Ross Lyon. But it obviously includes probably honest assessments of players as well as team tactics. Largely sensitive info. And it sat on the database all the clubs can access for hours before the Saints realised. A bit awkward. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. If you've made it this far, can you do us a favour? Go the extra mile, leave us a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Gracias, donke, arigato. While we're thanking people, cheers to be in sports, flow track, world athletics, TV5 news, and the Tasmanian Symphony Orchestra for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.